sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, good afternoon. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. It's great to be with you for the next two hours. We'll talk a little fantasy, a little reality, a little gambling as well. We'll look at everything happening in sports. And, of course, a very big, very loud welcome back to the NBA, which will play two games today in Orlando as the 2020 season gets started. So we finally have baseball back. We have basketball back. And certainly we have some football news to cover as well on the show. As we bring in my co-host, Joe Pizabia. Joe, it is great to see you on this Thursday afternoon. We couldn't get any sports off the ground for almost four months, and here we are. We have some fun sports and some of the major sports to kick around today here on the show. Yes, fantasy sports today. Yes, actual sports. It's kind of crazy. I'm very much looking forward to NBA. I told you I'm going to make it my mission this summer to do my best to get back in and watch. I think this is the perfect scenario where everything's been isolated for me right here. Uh, It's before NFL really kind of kicks off and I can watch the playoff games that are coming. And and I'm excited about it. Like I said, I, I also like that we've got the talent spread out a little bit more in the NBA this year than we have in past years. And that was part of what made me a little disillusioned as, as a former huge fan of the NBA. I hate the foregone conclusions. Yes. It's fun to have favorites. It's fun to have Goliaths, but man, the Davids were really tiny in the NBA the last few, uh, let's be honest, the last decade, but I would think this year, too, things a little bit more wide open, a little bit more interesting, some of that talent plays in different spots. So I'm looking forward to that. And we had a great night in baseball as well. Some great pitching performances from some of the ones like Scherzer, like Brandon Woodruff, who was our GPP call on yesterday's show. So some really good stuff there and some debuts. It doesn't get better than this, Craig. Yeah, I'm really excited to see the two games tonight. And, uh, of course, I mean, Lakers-Clippers feels like the best marquee matchup, but there is certainly an appetizer with Utah and New Orleans. We'll break those games down coming up in just a little bit. But for now, let's get to our top stories of the day in fantasy and in reality as well. And let's start off, I I think, with just really a great night in baseball. It was really good to have some fun performances. Of course, we mentioned the NBA returns. uh, But... The Major League Baseball has basically decided at this point, uh, at this point, according to ESPN and Jeff Passan, that they're going to add compliance officers around the league to keep guys from basically getting out of line. And so a deeper dive will have to do this in just a couple of minutes. But certainly let's circle this one big time because this will avoid any issues in the future. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, who would have thought that on a fantasy show, 30 years, 40 years after Carl Yastrzemski retired, that one of our leads would be his grandson. And Mike Yastrzemski, this is not a player that I believed in at all. I mean, at all. With Baltimore, with San Francisco, and this kid is absolutely making the most of his opportunity. I could make the case that this was the biggest shot of of maybe his career last night, hitting the walk-off shot. He had two home runs for the Giants yesterday. And right now, uh, that Giants total, if the Giants keep winning, is somewhat, uh, you know, looking like they, they could be a, you know, a better team than people thought. It's still very early, but right now, they're playing very well, no doubt about that. Uh, stellar pitching performances across the board. 
We're going to dive a lot deeper into those. This was last night was the best pitching performance, I would say, from several players in Major League Baseball this season. And, and really, the list was almost too long for one page. We almost had to make two, but there were some great pitching performances last night. And then as we creep closer to NFL training camps uh, this weekend and next week with players reporting, we got the biggest surprise of opt-outs in 2020. And my guess is we're still going to get a lot more. But Damian Williams is the first one, a player who had a tough year last year with Kansas City, but really came up for them very big in the Super Bowl. Certainly would have been a big part of their offense in 2020. He uh, has decided to opt out of the 2020 season, Joe, and that's where we begin on this Thursday. Yeah, and look, that is a huge bit of news, and I know later on the program we'll get more into that, but uh, we kind of have to start with baseball because baseball is the games that are playing right now. And uh, the Yastrzemski thing, I don't think anybody saw coming. You look at the minor league track record of, of Mike Yastrzemski and you kind of roll your eyes and think, okay, maybe this kid got drafted just because of his last name. But ever since he's been in the big leagues here, and more specifically with the Giants, the kid has been outstanding. It's surprising. It's shocking. Uh, but we've seen this before, too. I mean, we've seen guys like Whit Merrifield, who was a perfect example of a guy who was a, a not a, I would say a middling minor league player and all of a sudden got to the big league level and just you could not stop him from hitting so a great story there from the Giants last night for sure yeah and we, as we welcome in our radio audience over on sports grid I think that Yastrzemski is a name that will never forget from uh, his grandpa but uh, look you got to give this kid all the credit in the world because having the pressure of having that name and then having to succeed, and I know it did not happen with the Orioles, but on some level right now, it is definitely happening with the Giants. And give credit to the Giants, too. They played better than people thought, and they're also putting Yastrzemski at the top of the lineup to give him the most at-bats, which also tells you how the Giants feel about him as well. Well, last night, uh, ESPN reported, and Jeff Passan reported, that Major League Baseball is going to be adding compliance officers to the cities where Major League Baseball teams are playing. And this, of course, comes off the heels of the Miami Marlins now having 17 players test positive for COVID-19. And, Joe, certainly uh, we're going to have to see this story as it continues to play out and see uh, you know, the, contract, the contact tracing as to how this all happened with the Marlins. But at the very least, we know now going forward, there's going to be a lot more caution involved. Yeah, and there should be. I think this is a really smart move here and, and maybe one that should have been taken from the beginning. And I think that's what we kind of look back on and say, you know what, it sucks that you have to do this, but you know what, you're going to need hall monitors, you're going to need hall monitors, and if people can't respect the situation we're in, this is what it comes to. And it's unfortunate, but it's a truth right now, and uh, it's something that going forward to, I think the NFL and everybody else is going to look into as well. All right, we'll take a brief time out here on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, we actually will keep our format for the first time in, in, uh, in about a week, as we'll uh, have this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays. And then after that, of course, we will dive into the top pitching performances and the top hitting performances of Wednesday. We're right back after this. Don't go away. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, folks, we almost made it to the end of July. 
And we've almost made it to the month of August, which is going to be a great month for sports. We got baseball, the NBA, and then, of course, we're hopeful football comes back. And we're also going to talk a lot more fantasy football in the month of August as well. I know a lot of you have leagues and drafts coming up. I would give you the same advice if you're planning on playing this year or wait right up until the first game of the season. So you don't have to get derailed by the news like some of the news that continues to come out. And, And listen, also, don't be mistaken. Based on baseball alone, you know that we're going to have a lot more players opting out, and uh, and why why have that risk? There is uh, this is going to be a, a football season like we've never seen before in terms of risk, in terms of players being out. There'll be more luck than ever, just like with baseball. You think that baseball's been wacky in terms of players in out scratched? It is going to be you're going to have quarterbacks on the day of the game scratched with COVID. So any intelligence level that is out there and thinking that there is an edge. Uh, there, there probably is not, with the exception of just wait until the end and then draft that day of, night before, grab your team and go. Um, but again, I'm not running a fantasy website that takes money uh, for based on drafts, so I think that they would probably tell you differently. All right, this day in fantasy sports history, as we close out the month of July, today and tomorrow, Joe, it's July the 30th, and I think that, uh, you know, to me, the highlights are guys getting into the National Baseball Hall of Fame and certainly uh, some of the bigger names that we grew up in our childhood in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Got some great names here on this list today, uh, as you can see. And uh, I've only been to Cooperstown twice, never for an induction, actually. Uh, Part of me would love to go for an induction just to kind of experience what that is, but definitely some good ones you got on the board today. And Professor Chris here, our producer, you're going to love this because, look, we've got a real nickname here on the list, too. Everyone knows how much I hate how lame nicknames are like J-Ram and A-Rod and P-F. And it's not nicknames. That's shortening a name. we got a great nickname at the top. Let's do this. All right, let's let's start with 1933. And uh, Joe Ranieri remembers this. He was at this game. Dizzy Dean (laughs) struck out 17 against the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow, 17 batters. We'll start off there. 1976, (laughs) Joe Ranieri actually once uh, raced against Bruce Jenner. I don't know if people know that. I thought we were going here with this next one, but Joe, I was very, this was tenuous here. Yeah, (laughs) I, I, I was treading lightly, but it was 1976. Uh, But anyway, Bruce Jenner. 1976 sets the world record in the Olympic decathlon. 1993, this was also a really big move because, uh, look, the Houston Rockets became really good when Les Alexander took over the purchase of them. That happened in 1993. 1995, two great Phillies, Mike Schmidt, Richie Ashburn, both inducted into Cooperstown. I like how Cooperstown uh, and the Baseball Hall of Fame sometimes does this. If they have a player going in, as on the ballot, they you know sometimes roll in another player from that team on the veterans committee, and they make it a big celebration on the team. Really good idea. 2007, Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken Jr. are inducted into Cooperstown in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, you're talking about the icons from the 80s, two of probably the top five guys there. And then a couple of years ago, Adrian Beltre, who has since retired and probably is headed toward Cooperstown, recorded his 3,000th hit, Joe. Yeah, this is a great list. And again, let's start with Dizzy Dean. Dizzy is a nickname. That's what you want. I mean, that's a great nickname. And then the story of how he got it is great, too. Shoeless Joe. These are nicknames. Oh, come on. We need to step up our nickname game, everybody. Let's go. Let's do this, sports. I need you to step this up. Uh, obviously, Cal Ripken and Tony Gwynn. This is the one that I've got my eye on because these are two of my favorite players growing up. Uh, guys that came into the league together and then left the league together and left it better for their presence. I think we can all agree on that. And and just brought a, an air of class 
to Major League Baseball that uh, really I think we could use a little bit more of. There was something about these two guys. There was a mystique about them. There was also a blue-collar mentality about both of them, too, going out there every day and getting their hits, doing what they had to do. I wish they had won more in their career, but they did have some moments on the big stage. There's no doubt about that. Uh, however, I mean, I think you look back and you consider these guys two of the all-time greats to ever play the game, and uh, I would certainly make room on my all-time team for either one of them. There's no doubt about that, Craig. I mean, when you look back at Cal Ripken and you look back at Tony Gwynn, it's hard not to just smile, right? Yeah, two great players for sure, and and very fortunate that I've met both these guys, especially meeting Tony Gwynn. Um, you know, very sad to see him pass many years ago. All right, this day in fantasy sports history for uh, July the 30th is also a day that we also celebrate athletes' birthdays, and we're going to do that today, and some are athletes and some are not. Speaking of which, 1934, the former commissioner of Major League Baseball, Bud Selig, was born. I feel like a lot of people didn't really like Bud Selig, and now that Commissioner Manfred is out there. I feel like nobody likes any commissioner of any sport in sports in general. Now that I'm seeing this 1958, Scott Fletcher, former infielder with the White Sox and Tigers. I was a fan of Scott Fletcher. I understand for those of you who are watching are saying, is this the best you can do by having Scott Fletcher? And that answer today is yes. I'm sorry. 1963 basketball hall of famer, Great player uh, with the Golden State Warriors, Indiana Pacers, and uh, and now coach uh, also in the NBA. Chris Mullen, born in 1963. 1981, great soccer player on the women's team, Hope Solo. And then 1998, uh, Jake Fromm, former quarterback, of course, at Georgia, now trying to make his way in the NFL. Joe, who's your favorite from this today? Oh, it's definitely Chris Mullen. It brings me back. To a simpler time of Big East basketball when Big East basketball was the hottest thing there was. Uh, and, oh, my goodness, man. He, he was part of that whole time there, St. John's, and he had Georgetown. He had all those great teams there fighting, those great coaches, those great personalities. I miss a lot of those characters, man. I really do. I know we do have some great characters still in the college basketball game there. There's no doubt about that. But just the Raleigh Massaminos and, and, and the John Thompson, some of those guys, man, these were big-time, big-time personalities. And they had big-time talent on these teams as well, and it was great to watch those games. And then watch Mullen develop into a fantastic pro as well, an all-time great shooter. I think we would all agree on that. I know in the video game age, too, back in NBA Live 95, all you Sega people, I know you feel me out there. Chris Mullen was one of those guys I always wanted on my team because you knew you'd get him in the corner there for that three-point shot. You knew it was money all the time. So for me, Mullen is the guy that sticks out to me. How about you? I mean, you mentioned that Bud Selig was not liked. Now Rob Manfred not liked. Is any commissioner in sports liked nowadays at all? I think Adam Silver is. I would agree. Adam Silver probably yeah. the most popular by far, maybe by default. But I don't always remember there being this, I don't know, this venom for all the commissioners in sports. Maybe I was just a kid and I didn't realize it at the time. But it felt like the commissioner was just an institution and part of the game. And now it feels like he's basically a whipping boy for everything that is wrong with uh, the game. And not everything is wrong with every game. And I feel like the commissioner does bear a certain brunt of it. But why is that? Why have we kind of developed that it's over bizarre. time? Yeah, it's it, 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 listen, it's very bizarre. It's it's basically like everyone hates the boss. You sort of feel like that, I guess. I don't know. I don't hate. I my love boss. Mike Cardano. So don't don't you say that everybody hates the boss. I love Mike. So, but but I, but I guess Maybe that's like guys. sort of the dynamic. But but truthfully speaking, I think that's sort of the dynamic here. And and, and I don't think I don't think that goes for every commissioner ever. 
because I don't remember a lot of Venom other than some of the Bear stuff with Pete Rozelle. I feel like a lot of people liked Pete Rozelle. Yeah. Um, I don't Tagliabue, think, that, I don't I think fans like well Paul Tagliabue. Liked. I don't think yeah. that they liked, um, I don't think they like Roger Goodell. Um, and, and and I don't know how, I mean, did anybody, I, I think some people like David Stern. I think more people recognize David Stern now for being great. But at the time, I don't think that people loved David Stern while he was well, commissioner of the NBA. You know, Took some I heat. don't know. I think that turned later. But I think at peak NBA, I think David Stern might have been maybe the most popular of all the commissioners. I mean, this was a guy that really kind of brought the NBA from the third sport all the way to number two. And I think that is a huge I agree. But when you're living it. in that moment, it doesn't feel that way. I don't I don't think uh, it felt that okay. way at the time while we were living it. Yeah, I, I always he felt took a lot of great reverence for him personally as a fan of the game. And also, you know, again, I feel like that might have been something that turned as, as it went through. Yeah, no, I, I think that looking back on it now, it's very easy to say that he was an amazing commissioner. But I just think that while commissioners are in office, uh, they're they're not very well liked. I mean, even Gary Bedman gets made, gets poked fun at a lot. And I guess it's just being in that position of strength. And, and we are not. And maybe trolls are not. And they feel like that's that's worth it to do. And look, every commissioner is going to be different than that. And certainly the hope is, is that every single day you're not just ripping on one of them because their jobs are tough, too. But they are getting paid very handsomely for it, especially Roger Goodell. No doubt about that. All right. Coming up next year on Fantasy Sports Today, top pitching performances from yesterday. We're also going to shift very quickly into the slate today in baseball. we got a couple of afternoon games to preview as well. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss Joe Pisa Pia. Stay on the grid. We're back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fives, two games on tap from the bubble in Orlando. The Utah Jazz will take on the New Orleans Pelicans. The LA Clippers will be vastly shorthanded. Montrezl Howell and Lou Williams both out. Patrick Beverly still unknown. They'll play the Los Angeles Lakers at 9 p.m. Eastern time. In the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs had a second starter from their Super Bowl victory opt out because of coronavirus concerns. That's Damian Williams. He informed the team on Wednesday that, that he would sit out in 20. 20 New York Giants offensive tackle Nate Solder has opted out of the 2020 season as well. He informed the Giants of his decision on Wednesday as well. Solder cited family concerns including his son's battle with cancer and his own bout with cancer. He also has a newborn son. The Lions have placed Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson on the COVID-19 reserve list. They'll remain sidelined until they are able to pass multiple tests and show no symptoms during rechecks. The Eagles placed right tackle Lane Johnson on the reserve list as well. He's saying though he's feeling strong and ready to go. In the college ranks, the ACC Board of Directors voted Wednesday to proceed with an 11-game football season that begins the weekend of September 12th. It includes FBS independent Notre Dame playing a full league schedule, but only if public health guidance allows. All ACC schools in Notre Dame will play 10 conference games plus one non-conference game of their choosing. The Fighting Irish will be eligible for the ACC championship. There will be no divisions for this season only. LA Dodgers reliever Joe Kelly was handed an eight-game suspension by the MLB for his role 
role in the benches clearing quote unquote incident that occurred at Minute Maid Park in Houston on Tuesday night. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts was issued a one game suspension. Kelly, who apparently threw a fastball at Alex Bregman's head, went behind it and later taunted Carlos Correa after a strikeout, is appealing his suspension so he's available for the game on Wednesday night. Dave Roberts served his suspension and Bob Guerin served as interim manager. Some scores from around Major League Baseball. The Rockies beat the Athletics 5-1. It was the Rangers over the Diamondbacks 7-4. The Nationals beat the Blue Jays 4-0. The White Sox shut out the Indians 4-0. The Reds put up a 12 spot to beat the Cubs 12-7. Dodgers beat those Astros 4-2-13. Brewers over the Pirates 3-0. Braves beat the Tampa Bay Rays 7-4. Tigers over Royals 5-4. I'm Dan Straffer and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Dan, and we'll check in with Dan again next hour to get the latest on what is happening. Of course, the NBA getting ready to tip off later today. We'll have some previews of the games as well. Uh, Before we get into tonight's baseball games, we're going to dive back into Wednesday night. And really, Joe, I think that for me, uh, very strangely, because of so many high-scoring games we've seen in the early part of the season, I fully thought there'd be a lot of low-scoring. That finally happened a little bit yesterday, as we saw a ton of really good pitching performances. And this is what I thought the season would look like in the first couple of weeks because pitchers are always way ahead of hitters in the early part of Major League Baseball seasons and usually in spring training. The bats came out the first few days of the season. Now we're starting to see that shift, and maybe it's because some of the starters are making their second start and they're going a little bit deeper into the games. Yeah, we spoke about this yesterday, too. What is it going to look like here the second turn through the rotation and – the second time for the number ones, uh, which is what we really got a lot of last night. The Scherzers, the DeGroms, the higher-end guys, right? So I think that was very important to see what we were going to get out of those guys the second turn in the rotation, how deep they were going to go into games, and also what the result were, more importantly. And the results were pretty good for most of these guys, most of these big-time ones that we had our focus on. So that is definitely a good sign. Hopefully moving forward, this will be something that we could take moving on and feel uh, you know, a little bit more solace in, and especially in the daily fantasy game too, because that first week was very tenuous. Like how many innings are we going to get? Maybe we just look for strikeouts instead of looking for a W because how many guys are even going to go into the fifth inning and qualify for the W. And I think yesterday kind of assuaged those fears. However, I just want to remind everybody as we kind of turn into the weekend again, you're going to see some of those fourth and fifth guys again, and you're going to see a lot more bullpens. You're going to see a lot more offense. So just keep that in mind because this is this is a cycle here. It's getting better for the ones and twos. I don't know if it's going to get better for the fours and fives at all this season, let alone soon. Yeah, and I, and I think that when you're seeing bullpens in baseball after they come in after the starting pitching, remember the bullpens in general are not going to be that great. These are pitchers who wanted to be starters at one point. People just never understand that, that uh, these bullpen guys are there for a reason. And that's not to say that they're not great pitchers. You have to be a great pitcher to be in the major leagues. But you always want your starter to go as deep as you can into the game. The only team that sort of supplemented that through the years by not having the starting pitching has been the Tampa Bay Rays. And they have been able to start something completely new. But even the Rays technically are not using an opener as of now. And that certainly could change. Maybe Yanni Chirinos or Yarborough. Uh, Maybe they go only in inning to start a game, but thus far they're throwing two, three innings, and even Blake Snell throwing two, three innings at the beginning of the season as well. Okay, top pitching performances from yesterday. Let's look at them. Herman Marquez for the Colorado Rockies just needed to get on the road. Hey, how about the Rockies getting off to a good start? Good for them. Six innings pitched, one earned run, eight strikeouts. He did pick up the win. Lucas Giolito needed this. Six innings pitched, no earned run, six strikeouts, and so that ERA cut in half. 
from where it was last time. He'll probably need two more starts to bring that ERA below four. Brandon Woodruff, six and a third, no earned runs and 10 strikeouts. He picks up the win for the Milwaukee Brewers. Rich Hill also with a really good start for Minnesota. They can't be stopped. They win again. Five innings pitched, no earned runs, and just two strikeouts for Rich Hill. But who cares? He's on the Twins. He's probably going to win a lot of the games that he pitches this year. I want that guy. I want Twins pitchers for sure. Max Scherzer had a great start with seven and a third, ten strikeouts against the Toronto Blue Jays. Christian Javier absolutely looks like a superstar. Five and two-thirds, one earned run, eight strikeouts. I am just kicking myself that I did not make any claims on this guy before the uh, startup in fantasy. That was a big mistake on my part. I forgot about him, and, and that's on me. I should have remembered. Lance Lynn, six innings pitch, no one runs, eight strikeouts. And so, Joe, that's where we'll start. There was one more. We'll get into that in a little bit from, of course, uh, one of the rookies in baseball. But to me, my takeaway from yesterday, no doubt, was watching Christian Javier absolutely dominate probably the best hitting team in the National League. I, I don't know what the future will hold for him, and it just was one start, but he was the most dominant pitcher that I saw in spring training. He took that thing right to the Dodgers, and he is going to be the one that I am circling from this because I'm going to guess he's not owned in a lot of fantasy leagues. He's my number one guy to pick up this week if he's available. Yeah, and I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad. I think the Verlander injury is really what opened up a path for him this year. So, I mean, maybe you could have speculated when you heard the news on the weekend of Verlander going to Javier, but I wouldn't hear, I wouldn't lose sleep over that. I, it's tough, but, I mean, these things happen. I yeah, think but that's what I'm here them. to do. You know, I, I'm there no, at those right. games, sure. and, he was, and he was so good, and— but I had no draft. I had no draft in March after that, and so it just went four months. We kicked it back in, and there was honestly, I'm only in two leagues, and then there was just one league where we had the the budget run uh, on Sunday, and I absolutely could have had him, and right. and didn't even consider him. And honestly, when the announcement was made that he was starting, I I was very upset. I'm like, oh my gosh, Christian Javier, like that's right. I I was right behind home plate when this guy was pitching in a game in Palm Beach. And it was the best stuff of anybody that I saw. And that's, and that's including all of the main guys seeing everyone in spring training. And, and I was like, Christian Javier, like, I remember him being in the system. I don't remember him being this good. And then I looked up his minor league stats from the previous year. What is he like? 16 strikeouts per nine in the minor leagues. Yeah, so very good. Yeah. Very he is, well, is going to be a star. Now, now and I will tell you, Grab him. And to take everything you're saying, Craig, and move it forward. Now for those people, you know, who like who did miss out on him, because of what Craig's telling you, because of the high K per nine rate, is he a finished product? No. But once again, there's very little time for everybody to catch up to everybody this year. That's one of the reasons I liked Louis Roberts so much. Some of these young guys with a lot of star power, I think, are going to kind of run roughshod over most of the league before guys really catch up to them and other people can game plan for their weaknesses. And, and everybody does have a weakness. Every young player does. Uh, I would say then everything that Craig's telling you and you're listening out there, make sure you go out there and pay the premium to add him. So don't miss out on him because he is going to pitch on a good team because he does have strikeout upside. And he showed you how good he could be against arguably the best team in baseball. So maybe you missed him for a buck, but if you're going to have to pay 40 for him this week, you go out there and pay 40. It's only a 60-game season. There's not going to be a lot of guys that move the needle. Uh, Lucas Giolito, I want to talk about this start, too, because yesterday on the show I said this is an important start for him. It's an important start for the White Sox. 
and it was, and he showed up, and that's what aces do. So you can uh, shrug off the first start for him and look at Lucas Giolito and what he did last year, another guy with a big-time strikeout rate. I was very impressed by what I saw yesterday out of him. This is what aces do, and I believe Giolito is an ace of that team. So good for him getting back on track. And Brandon Woodruff is an ace, too. I know a lot of people don't want to come to this realization, but you got to have this moment where you come to it because he is – Talked about him on the show yesterday. He was really, I think, under, I think it was 8.8 or 8.7 on FanDuel yesterday. Ended up with a great return. That's exactly what you're looking for in GPP play. Also, I know people were disappointed in the number of strikeouts for Rich Hill, Craig. But I think the most important number was five. And it's the innings pitch for Rich Hill because that's what the Twins need. They need guys who are going to go out there, give them five scoreless innings, six scoreless innings, and they're going to go put a hurt on whoever else they're playing. I think that's exactly what you're looking for if you're the Twins. Don't care about the strikeouts. You care about that IP right now. Yeah, and, and getting the innings leads to wins, especially on the Twins, that's for sure. Uh, a win didn't happen last night for Nate Pearson, but I think that everybody was anticipating the uh, the big debut for him yesterday. So let's take a look and see how it went. I watched, oh, I would say, about two innings of, of Pearson pitch. And the one thing that I was most impressed about is that he just kept throwing strikes. 13 first pitch strikes yesterday in the 19 batters that he faced. Five innings pitch, two hits, no one runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Uh, look, he was he was as good as you could possibly ask a guy to be. Of course, when you only throw 75 pitches, you're going to put yourself in a position to come out of a game that's tied or that's close. But I thought, personally, you, you couldn't ask for more of a debut. He was high 90s. I think he may have hit 100 a couple times. Uh, but the bottom line, it was a solid debut. And, and also, he was going against uh, Max Scherzer. And after the game, uh, Pearson discussed the appearance that he had and sort of the special feeling that it was to go against arguably one of the best pitchers in baseball. Being able to go against Max Scherzer, and I knew it was going to be a, a good uh, duel. And uh, he threw really well tonight, obviously. And it was cool to see him uh, compete out there. And it's uh, uh, definitely something I'll look back on my debut and say I'll be able to match up against Max Scherzer and uh, held my own for, <laughs> for five innings. I know he went a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, it was still fun to be able to pitch against him. I think, Joe, most people would be very satisfied with the start that Pearson had. And and we don't certainly know what the fifth start will be like or the seventh start or the eighth start. But the fact that he is in their rotation tells me the Jays, in a 60-game season, with 16 teams making the postseason, certainly are putting their best foot forward to try and win right now. Absolutely. And they should. Why not? This is the tournament after all. And I would say you would be thrilled with this debut outing, especially kind of daunting, you know, on the road. Not that it matters with fan bases, obviously now not being president games, but still, you know, for anybody out there when you're going to the the visitor side. Well, look, I I think you're also talking about going up against Max Scherzer and seeing him on the other side. That's very daunting. There's no way around that when you're looking at a guy that you probably had posters of (laughs) when you were a kid. And now all of a sudden you're pitching against him. That's got to be a moment. But you talk about the first pitch strikes, too, and what he was able to do. And I think that's what's most impressive, too. Yes, this guy has high velocity. But what there's also uh, what Nate Pearson is able to bring here is those, uh, you know, first pitch strikes. A guy who's going to get on top of guys, guys going to work quickly, a guy who's going to uh, be able to get, you know, out when he needs them and obviously there's no problem dialing up the radar gun when he needs to either and I think it's very exciting here for the for the Jays and yeah they overpaid for Ryu 
But you know what? You need those guys in the rotation right now if you have guys like Pearson to kind of cushion their transition to becoming the guys at the top of this rotation. You want some veterans. You want somebody out there who's going to lead a rotation and reuse that guy. And sometimes you have to do this. This is something the Nationals did years ago where they overpaid a player like Jason Wirth so they could start to attract other guys to come in there. And they had a good pipeline of the Strasburgs and the Harpers on their way. And sometimes you have to do that and overpay for good players and pay them great money in order to attract other free agents to an organization that has a great youth pipeline. And let's face it, the Blue Jays right now have one of the best young pipelines around. And if they can get Nate Pearson to hit and add him along to these young position players, my goodness, the Jays all of a sudden, I think, could compete with the Yankees in a year or so. And that is not hyperbole. I think that's actually something that could be very realistic, especially, especially if you can get Pearson to be a true ace in a year or so. There's no doubt the Jays have the hitting. Do they have the pitching? It's going to take a lot more than Pearson and Ryu for sure. But maybe that will be cultivated as the season goes on. We'll have to see. There were a lot of great hitting performances, by the way, that happened yesterday in fantasy baseball. We're going to hit to those next and also recap what Kyle Lewis did for Seattle because sort of like Lewis Robert, Kyle Lewis is becoming must-see TV. We'll also preview the NBA games coming up in just a few hours. We're back on SportsGrid on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, before we get into our hitting performances from yesterday, a little breaking news from uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan, who was reporting the Phillies uh, have now had two positive tests, and this is just happening here. So I've got to get more information a little bit on that. It it, it does look like it was uh, either a member of the coaching staff. Jeff did not mention any players uh, yet involved in testing positive on this, so certainly we'll keep an eye on it. But the Phillies, according to... Uh, Jeff Passan also have uh, stopped all of their activities, so there will be no Phillies games uh, today, tomorrow, or most likely any time in the near future, which would put two teams in Major League Baseball on pause. Uh, we'll keep you updated, of course, as we go here, but uh, this is, you know, what, what happened was last week when I, when I said that uh, on social media, when I said on Twitter, and, and I guess probably I should have quantified my statement a little bit more, but this was the fear. Like when I said that the season potentially was in jeopardy, it wasn't in jeopardy over one team uh, testing positive or having 17 players test positive. It was over multiple teams uh, testing positive because you certainly cannot have two teams completely wiped out and not that the Phillies are even close to being there yet. But if this is now the start of something in Philadelphia, where it escalates to the point of the Marlins, uh, I don't, I don't know how Major League Baseball can consciously continue um, to play their season having, you know, two teams without twenty or thirty players. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe all of a sudden the tide changes. But what I would say is the season absolutely will continue until these sort of things uh, happen, and when they do, 
it changes the game, Joe. I mean, they're they're not they're not. I, I don't. I, and also, it being it being the Phillies <laughs> as opposed to the Marlins, if we're talking about those uh, mm-hmm. major players being out for a particular period of time, the perception is going to be different. Uh, yeah, and this is what we've all been waiting for. And we said, well, let's keep holding our breath because, yeah, the first tests and early tests, everybody so far was negative. But it does take a little longer for other people to test positive, And this is why everything had to get shut down. You know, I, I don't know the answer to this question. You might. So I'm going to ask you, uh, when everything happened a few days ago, did the Phillies all have the individuals quarantined or were they all basically just together? What was the protocol here for that the Phillies were following here in these days? I want to say off, but let's say the days off here since the Florida news. Yeah, they've just been they haven't been doing anything. It's just quarantine. They're not right, working out or anything. Maybe together. they're working out as individuals, but I don't, I don't think they've they've the only went to the ballpark. They go to the ballpark to get tested, and then they go home, and that's it. Okay, that was basically my question: is making sure that these guys weren't sitting in meetings together or six, six feet apart or anything. I'll be, no, I no, but they have to go to the park to get tested. Down. Right, of course. Yeah. I, I think it was hopefully just going to get tested and nothing else. That's hopefully where things are going here. Um, and and look, you know, it's not a good sign. It's certainly not the indicator we wanted. It's something that we were kind of waiting with bated breath after, okay, everyone's negative, everyone's negative, everyone, okay, let's move on. And I think it was too soon to move on. I also think it's too soon to say doom and gloom as well until we get more positive or negative tests in the next few days and, and figuring out where and how rampant this is, maybe it is just the two and maybe that's possible. And maybe we're able to then move on from that. However, if it becomes a situation like the Marlins and it does bear the question, all right, how does this impact the season? Uh, can you play the season under these circumstances? And is it too late to put in the hall monitors? Is it too late to do all these other things that now they want to do? And unfortunately uh, I feel like it might be, but Craig, where do you think things are at right now? If I'd take your temperature with it. Well, we have to wait. We have to see if, if what you're saying is, is you know fairly true. Is is that if this if this is it, and I find it extremely hard to believe that it will. I'll be optimistic that it is, but I was optimistic that maybe this would be like the Marlins, and here we are three days later and fourteen plays later, players later. So uh, the the question is 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 could they could this have basically been a less uh, more concentrated where instead of having 17 Phillies maybe it's six and then the show goes on yeah absolutely the show goes on at that point because they have that reserve pool and that's what it's there for and that's understandable I'm talking about a full wiping out of, of right. two clubs because because again they're you know the, the Marlins are not playing games I don't believe they'll play games uh, early next week either at this point I mean, it's gonna it's hard to believe that they can they have to stay in Philadelphia until they have no negative tests and now the Phillies are not playing so we're talking about they've missed let's see two Tuesday Wednesday Thursday their doubleheader Saturday I guess has been canceled those were gonna make up Tuesday Wednesday they're gonna be missing uh, as many games as the Marlins so um, you know, Philadelphia will not be held accountable for that. They'll they'll probably be able to play their season out. But the way that they were talking was that you had to play 55 games to qualify for the uh, postseason. That was part of some of the discussion. If, if the entire Phillies team is wiped out, I think I think it could be over. I think it could yeah. be if, if it's because I I believe the Marlins are wiped out. I, I understand that in theory they're going to be able to fill a team. And I reported yesterday, Logan Forsythe. You know, right. like though, like if if that's the way that this is going to play out this season, and Major League Baseball is happy with that, with having seventy percent of your team be all free agents, reserves, and guys from this 
alternate campsite, if that's their plan and that's cool with them, 100% the season will continue. But I think that, Joe, the out, there's going to be some outrage from Philadelphia, from their organization, if, God forbid, we're talking about household names in baseball testing positive. We're hopeful that it doesn't. But if it does, the perception will be completely different about them than it is with the Marlins, I believe. And, so, and I it, think shouldn't, it, it shouldn't necessarily be, but you're right. It shouldn't, but that's what different. it is. It shouldn't be. And then yeah. that, and that's the difficult thing with all this because we, we're, you know, uh, we've said it during the week too. I'm not saying people are dismissing the Marlins necessarily, but they're certainly not taking it in the same fashion that they would take it if it was a team that had an enormous upside to win this year and was a contender. And like we said, household names, big time superstar players here, the Bryce Harpers of the world, the Cody Bellingers of the world, the, the Mike Trouts of the world, the guys who make this game tick. And I, I'm sure it's also having a ripple effect mentally on the rest of the players too on other teams watching this and saying okay well who's the next marlins or who is coming into town that yeah. maybe is questionable and next thing you know all of a sudden uh, you know i've done everything right uh, we've done everything right here as an organization maybe somebody did not maybe somebody made a call at some point in time that they shouldn't have made and the next thing you know you do have uh, an epidemic on your hands and this is a pandemic and this is something that we have to take this all very seriously and uh, I, I hope people continue to do so and if we are going to push the envelope here with sports which is what we're trying to do we're trying to get nba back tonight right we're trying to get major league baseball we've got it here right now we're trying to get nfl off the ground in a few weeks if we're going to do all that then everybody has to take it seriously and i feel like there's definitely some people out there not taking it seriously enough and then you see these things happen, and then the repercussions are, oh, now we don't have sports again. And it's just incredibly frustrating to me. And I can't imagine how frustrating it is to to the college athletes, too, who aren't getting paid, who might be asking to take risks and things like that as well, which I can't fathom. It's one thing when you're a professional. It's another thing when you're a student athlete, Craig, too. And I think there's a lot of yeah. questions here. We don't have all the answers for them yet. No, and, and we, don't, we also don't know the answers to how this all started and and to think that there's a possibility even that a lone player or two may have done something that destroyed the league or possibly destroyed the league is sort of unthinkable at this point to think of how irresponsible that it could, could have been potentially. You know what? I don't, I don't as know unthinkable the... as it is, Craig, and I, I'm sorry, I do apologize cutting off mm-hmm. there, but as unthinkable as it is, in a way, having a scapegoat for this helps the cause to keep playing because you can point the finger and say that's the person see what this person did and make an example of them or a group of them or whatever that might be and then there's something that i think i hate to say it but it reverberates for all the other players and i think then it hits home a little bit more it's one thing where it's like ah theoretical theoretical and then you see it and then you see a guy who's suspended for the year or whatever it is because of what they did sometimes you have to have that happen for everybody to kind of get scared straight and i don't want it to oh well it already happened it, it already happened with rudy gobert yeah but with rudy gobert touching all the microphones and everything like that yeah yeah but, and, and by the way like, a, a good example of this and, and see so when it all comes back and and let's say that did happen hypothetically we're going to be out with the pitchforks on the player in major league baseball right but rudy gobert's back right so you know, people get forgiven for this sort of stuff. Um, we'll, we'll just have to see. But I will tell you this. If I was, uh, and I mentioned the traveling with the NFL, and I, and, and that's going to sort of be the focus here as to what the how the NFL reacts to all of these things. They're, they're in a great spot, honestly, having knowing 
you know what went wrong in these sort of these yeah, sort of, and, and I'm and I'm not game positive league, yet. By the way, it's just so much different from a volume standpoint. I know I'm a broken record. It, it, so it is, but but you know with the with Major League Baseball sending now the security, extra security to watch the players, like I think that is the derailment potential derailment of the NFL. I I probably would have this as close to like a military situation as possible. If if the NFL wants to play this out, I don't think that you can trust players to do the right thing. I don't think so. I agree with you and I think it's unfortunate and I hate you know, I actually like to agree with you for all of our jokes that we make. I like to agree with you. I respect you a great deal uh, in what you do. And also as a friend, I respect you great. And I hate that I have to also agree with you on this one because it sucks that a bunch of grown adults and look, and some of them aren't. Some of them are still 23 year old kids. And I think of we course. all remember being 23 yeah. and stupid, making bad decisions. But you know what? If that's what it takes for the NFL to play. The NFL will go military. The NFL will go whatever they have to do to that's, get that's their That's what it's got to be. I have no doubt that that's they'll what, go that route. Do you? Yeah. I mean, it, well, it now, seems like, I, that seems like a no-brainer. I, I, think play, I think players probably are allowed to go home in the NFL after their day of camp or after their day. Uh, I would tell you that I don't know that they should. And, and that is horrible to have to say. But... I also Is don't know fair? how many guys you would get to continue to opt out only because the difference between, once again, Major League Baseball guaranteed money that people have gotten over the years and NFL contract money. Very different. What's guaranteed, what's not. Incentives. Con- the way contracts work in the NFL is just completely different than Major League Baseball. And it, it's something that you have to take into account when evaluating these situations, too, because there will be a lot of players who – just for whatever reasons, whether it be families and sporting things or whatever that is, or this is their opportunity or this is their last opportunity, they won't have the option to opt out. They will be playing, and many of them probably don't want to play. I mean, I think about James Conner, a guy who's been through so much, right? He's on the last year of his deal, has the injury all the time tag put on him, and, and you know that moniker is kind of following him around. This is his opportunity to cash in this year and play. He knows that. He is going to probably be putting himself in enormous risk to play this season. And that is, I can understand, frightening. But you know what? If it makes it safer for him to have these protocols put in place where nobody can go anywhere and is like some kind of de facto bubble, then so be it. I think it's better for James Conner. It's better for people like that. And we also don't know that he won't opt out tomorrow. You know, that's, that's sort of the way that You're this right. is going. You're so right. It's, You're um, right. it's, it's, it's really possible. uncertain. But, but again, uh, look, NFL – Got to be learning from what's going on here. Got to be learning from this, and and hopefully they take some action. And I think that they will, and it'll be a good thing for everybody, no doubt. All right, uh, coming up next, it's time to look at a little bit of DFS action, as we're going to be really, I think, looking at some interesting plays today in Major League Baseball. A couple of afternoon games, a couple of night games as well, so make sure you stay tuned to that. If you miss any of our shows or any of our discussion right here on SportsGrid, here's what you do real easy. Go over to SportsGrid.com and log on to our website. You can see all of the shows that we do and all of our shows on demand. In addition to that, we have our very own YouTube channel and also a radio YouTube channel. What does it mean? Go to SportsGrid.com and learn more. We're actually broadcasting 24-7 on radio as well, at Sports Grid Radio on Twitter, at Sports Grid on Twitter. Those are two good ways to interact with us. If you have any questions or comments on the show, you can hit me up directly too, at Craig Mish as well. We'll be back with some DFS plays for tonight in baseball. Don't go, stay on the grid. Sports 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back as we wrap up the first hour of our show here on Thursday. Coming up, we're going to get into some of the top hitting performances from Wednesday, preview all of the games coming up a little bit later today, which also includes the great NBA matchups that we have, uh, as well as a little fantasy or reality. So make sure you stay tuned for hour number two of FST, which is coming up in less than five minutes from now. For those of you who are interested in getting involved on FanDuel over on the DFS side, Give you a little preview as to what you could potentially use today if you're going to be playing in a tournament, head-to-head, GPP. Joe, give some good options today over on the DFS side. Absolutely. A little bit different look tonight because uh, the best pitcher on the board is Shane Bieber going against the Twins. So he becomes more of an oppo uh, than a cash game play. So just understand that tonight. But for cash games, I would look at Denelson Lamette. Great strikeout rate, 9.2K on FanDuel. Standalone pitcher side, I think you're going to get the strikeouts out of him. I think you're going to get an opportunity for a W. I know the Giants scored from runs last night, but two nights in a row I think is asking quite a bit. Max Fried is a GPP arm. I would go there as well. 7.7 is a really good value for him. He's at home. That lineup for the without Austin Meadows, I think has some holes in it for sure. And I think Max Free is going to expose them. And I think he's going to get his strikeouts as well. Uh, also, the Braves bats are starting to wake up, which is a good thing. Best value bat on the board. That's right. Michael Franco, you know, Craig made a lot of jokes about Michael Franco. I'll forget it. He's done. He's done. Well, guess what? He's not done yet, at least. And who knows? Another reclamation project, maybe, for those Kansas City Royals. I had him in lineups last night. He got 26 points. Pretty good night for him. He's just 2.6. Also facing Ivan Nova, not very good. And then Big Bat, you're going to pay off for J.D. Martinez. Just 3.9. He could even be more expensive than this. He's not. He's 3.9 against Steven Matz and the Mets. Good spot there for him. He mashes left-handed pitching. So look for J.D. as the bat you want to pay up for tonight. So that's your FanDuel evening picks for tonight's DFS slate. All right. We'll see uh, what D.D. Martinez does, and hope, hopefully Michael Franco's found a new good spot in Kansas City. I'm not a huge believer of him, uh, but look, his start is uh, is pretty solid. We'll see if he's able to continue it. All right. We'll take a quick break here at the top of the hour, and when we come back, we go over the top stories in fantasy and reality today, and then we're going to hit on some of the great hitting performances in case you missed it from Wednesday night. We're back with more fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. Stay tuned. We're back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 